Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, we're joined by Glenn Matson, As CEO and founder of Matson Enterprise, he works with entrepreneurs who have a vision, but require a plan and coaching to achieve key objectives while they're busy generating vital revenues and profits for their growing organization. Glenn is a sought-after keynote speaker, a trainer, coach, advisor, and author. His business, in a nutshell, is helping his clients transform their business into a more efficient, productive, and profitable one. Thank you, Glenn, for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Before we jump into more about your business, I'd love to know a little bit about who you are and what you like to do when you're not working. <laughs> well, I, I, w- I would love to tell you that I have an exciting personal life, but um, it's a hair club for men trick. I was a client of Sandler. Uh, for many, many years, and I became on board, and I actually started working for him. Now, when I'm off and, and not working, I'm a dad. I have two great kids, and I've been married for 23 years. Um, and like most people who are listening in, I, I do everything I can for the kids in terms of going to their sports and being their coaches uh, for all their sports and show up at all their activities. So it's a good balance between staying healthy and staying fit and being a great dad and being hopefully a fantastic husband. We all love to be inspired by people's journey. So the first part of our conversation is going to focus on your journey. How long have you been doing coaching and what led you to get into it in the first place? Well, it's been a, it's been a heck of a journey. Um, I first got started in business 22 years ago. I started off as a salesperson, and what we do over here at Matson Enterprises, we are a franchise of Sandler Selling, which is the largest training firm in the world. And due to footprint, 27 different countries, 19 different languages, to also the success that we have. So I came in at an early age and, and sold sales training, management training, and coaching early on. And Millette, I really would love to tell you that I was good at it. I wasn't. <laughs> um, so my trials and tribulations and how I got into this is I actually, I am what most of my clients are currently. I was back then. had fears. I have roadblocks, procrastination, every stumbling block that you could with regards to holding me back from success. But I had enough passion that I wanted to become more than I was. I wanted to become some great things for my wife so that she could have a lifestyle the average person couldn't have. So I had dreams, but I didn't have the right ingredients inside of me to get there. So I actually became a product of our own product. Hmm. I started to listen to our material. I became a student of it, even though I was. And I really started to be engulf myself, again, being a product of the product. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what we do here is not because we have insane results, but in addition to that is because it's transformed me. So I have a much different commitment and buy-in. I have walked every step that I'm asking my clients to walk. I have been kicked in the face. I've been knocked in the ground. I've been stepped over, right? I've done everything that's possible in terms of the good and the bad. So part of that is when I coach people, they know through not me telling them what to do, but the questions I ask and the experience that we bring, that I've, I've done this journey before. So by no means... 
do we live in an ivory tower and just think up a theory? So I find that to be exceptionally beneficial because I have an enormous amount of conviction in what needs to be done. And I know what needs to be done to help people get to the next level. Mm. So I get, I wish I could tell you, I started off and I was hitting home runs ever since. No. Um, and I think for everyone listening out there that want to be in the coaching business, you know, you may be a phenomenal coach, but you still have to get people to pay you for it. You still have to get the ability to be a rainmaker so you can have people who will fund your coaching piece of it, right? Mm, exactly. So that was a long road for a lot of people. And I, you know, obviously I coach an awful lot of coaches. I coach an awful lot of consultants and most of them are exceptionally good at what they do. Their biggest roadblock for most of them is how do I get paid for this? How do I become a rainmaker without being that ugly salesperson? Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, you talked about, you know, having a dream and having passion just isn't enough. And a lot of times when when you focus on that, you do have a whole lot of ups and downs when you're building up a business. So can you tell us about maybe one of your really big disappointments or a real low point when you were building your business? Sure. Um, And in the beginning, like I said, I had a lot. So uh, I think there is and, and this is true. If you look at failure, most of us can't handle failure the way it comes up because we think it's negative. Reality is failure is nothing more than an outcome that was, wasn't what you were hoping for. Hmm. It's still an outcome. So when we look at failure, it gives us the ability, if we own it, we don't make excuses around it. It gives us lessons and lessons are the greatest thing in the beginning of all the people who are listening in. The more lessons you get, the faster you get, the more you learn. Right. So one of the biggest disappointments, I think, when I first got started was a lot of time and energy I spent into a new manual that we made for a client. Very proud of it. We had a task management outline. I put everything that we said we're going to do just the way we said it. I remember flying out to Beaverton, Oregon, sitting down in front of all these big wigs expecting everyone to say this is the best thing since sliced bread and it was not a very good meeting Uh oh so the person who was my liaison that what we worked with that signed off and everything um i didn't realize but was being fired for lack of results uh-huh. so everything we created was got caught in that after effect ah. so i think that was a that was a tough tough time and the other big disappointment, I think, at one point in my life is when I lost my one of my larger clients, mm. and I relied too much on that client for the revenue, mm. mm-hmm. and that was one heck of a one heck of a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. That can really um, hinder your business building <laughs> if you, you know, pr- yeah. particularly if you're starting to gain some momentum. To to lose a big revenue source is a, a big deal. Um, you know, and, and all of that goes into, you know, just taking consistent action. Um, you know, you might lose someone, but you have to be right there willing to keep going and to bring someone else in to, to take that place of that, of that revenue that's coming in. Um, can you tell us about a time when you really felt like you were gaining momentum when you had reached maybe a tipping point in your business when things started going really well? Yeah, I mean, there's one. There's a program that we teach um, entrepreneurs called the, the the barriers of success and the elements of success. There's 19 things that we need to do, and 17 things that most common happens that will kill you in business. Right? Those are the barriers. So I think one of the biggest tipping points for for me was going through my own process that we teach people, 
And when I started following through and you get the momentum, like you were talking about, starting to see clients building up a book of business, but I think a really big momentum happened was when I wasn't scraping, when I wasn't begging, when I wasn't um, still in the embryonic stage, which is anyone who is breathing, I'm going to talk to. <laughs> when I actually had right enough reoccurring revenue, I had enough clients coming in. And again, I coaching is one of the things that we do here. So when I had all those pylons happening, I think the big tipping point for me is not necessarily the results. That obviously helps. Um, money helps, obviously. I think the tipping point happened when I sat back in my chair and I actually said to myself, I think I can do this. I can actually be pretty good at this. And it, it the belief of I deserve to be here, mm-hmm. the belief of I've changed people's lives, not that I can, I've changed, it works. In for me, one of the greatest tipping points was I'm worth every nickel that I'm asking for. Mm. And once I had wrapped my head around that, it wasn't, they weren't writing a check to Glenn Matson. They were writing a check for me to help them change. And once I believed that I was worthy and once I believed I thought I could do it, and once I believed, I think everything started to happen very, very quickly for us. Well, that's, to me, that's just so powerful because no matter how much we work on our business, no matter how much time and energy we put in, a lot of times that mindset can really hold us back. So that's that's a, a really inspirational story for people just to, to know that when you really start to feel like you're worth it and you deserve it, that that in a way opens the floodgates for you. Yeah. And, and I had some of that belief beforehand, but I didn't have the acknowledgement, right? I didn't have mm-hmm. the proof of concept. And, you know, it was more out of ignorance belief, just just pure belief. But that was a big tipping point. Yep. You know, a lot of times when we do hit that momentum and we're feeling like we're starting to gain some success, you know, we'll start to set goals or, you know, really feel like, you know, things are going great when we hit a certain milestone. So can you tell us about maybe something that's been your favorite achievement so far? Yeah, I've had, you know, again, I've done this for 22 years, so I've seen seen everything, been through almost everything. Um, we coach uh, mostly salespeople. Uh, the salespeople could be entrepreneurs. They could be consultants. They could be non-selling professionals. We also consult and, and, and coach an awful lot of executives and business owners. And what we have found is with the coaching, especially my business owners, my very high-end producers and executives, no one really tells them no. No one ever really is straight with them. Hmm. So I think one of the biggest wins that I had um, so far, one of the things that really juices me up is about every year I'll have one or two or three people that will come to me. And this year it was Michael. Last year it was Susan, where they are literally let on. They're on the edge of the diving board. I mean, they're about to get fired Mm. and they call. um, And next thing you know, you know, Michael's number one in his, his company, right? Of 2000 salespeople. So he went from 14 months ago from being on the verge of being fired to now being number one over 13 months. Mm. Wow. And to see what that does to his feelings, see what it does to his attitude, see what it does to his pep in his step, see what it does to his family. And now those resources that he has, what that's going to do for his kids, etc. So I think transforming people's lives 
is really some of the most the biggest wins that we we have over here. Yeah, absolutely. That that's something that I think um has been a um a common theme for a lot of coaches is really seeing the things that that they're able to share with people make a big impact in people's lives. You know, before we move on to the part of the podcast that focuses on real action steps that coaches can sure. take, I'd like to talk about the future just a little. What are you most excited about creating next in your business? Well, I think the excitement for us for the next is obviously in today's day and age with technology and where the training consultant business is going, there's a lot of excitement out there and also trepidation. Um, in the past, a lot of it was done face-to-face and now they want to do it more distant learning or video-based or even through like what we're doing now, podcasts and some other mediums. Mm-hmm. So the exciting thing is, is how do we still maintain the results that we get when you do face-to-face, but having a different medium that's a little more economically feasible for some, Mm -hmm. and you can attract more people. So I think that the exciting piece for us is how do we engage technology without reducing the effectiveness and the efficiency of the impact? Hmm. Um, so it's been, a, it's, it's been an interesting journey. There's a lot of great stuff out there and a lot of great stuff out there that's not great. Right. So it's, that, that's been the exciting part. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> mm. You know, one thing that, that coaches seem to, I don't know, they, they enjoy, I guess, about being a coach is that there's a lot of different ways, like you were saying, online and offline, to make a living as a coach. So right now, how are you generating revenue in your business? Um, well, most of, because again, we've been doing for a very long time. So most of our clients now come to us because of uh, the results that we get. Um, the way I grew our business is something called Emerson's law of compensation and Emerson's law of compensation really states that if you take care of your client, your client will take care of you. Mm. So, um, we spend so much time trying to look for new business, which is fine but we don't take care of our clients. And if you actually take care of your clients, you do it right, they will bring you more business than you can handle right. if you do it right, right? So I think from a revenue standpoint, we've, I've created my practice to follow golden rules that we teach people. Like for instance, never be in a position of needing a piece of business, but always be in a position of wanting it. Mm-hmm. Well, when you need it, it's real tough in negotiating when you need it. It smells. I mean, it's just, just awful, right? So you know, part of it is from a revenue standpoint, we map out exactly the number of new clients that we can handle, how we can do it, when they're coming off, when they're going on. We have a very high um, uh, re-entrance for, for our clients that are doing coaching. Many of them do it for another second, third, fourth session. So our revenue really is word of mouth. Our revenue is we do a lot on social media. I do a lot of keynotes, obviously. Um, so that does generate the awareness of who's Glenn. Mm-hmm. But we've been doing it around long enough that when people turn around and say, how did you double your business? Or how did you go from being the CFO to all of a sudden now being out on your own and running your own business and actually doing pretty well? It's great when their answer is, well, it's Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that helps. Right. right. So would you say that that's your favorite strategy for bringing in new clients to to get referrals from existing or past clients? It is. Now, that is that is one source, right? So mm-hmm. when we look at, <clears throat> it's called cookbooking, and cookbooking is a 
term that we, we help people transfer their goals down to daily behaviors. So if you want to bring in, for instance, two new clients um, a month, but you know you have to propose to three people to get one client, well, that's six proposals. Mm-hmm. But you also know that you may need to have five first meetings to get one proposal. Well, that's 30 first appointments you need per month. Mm, right. So where are you going to get those from? Now, some of them may come from LinkedIn. Some of them may come from your Facebook. Some of them may come from your natural market. Some of them may come from phoning. Some of them may come from alliances. But as a business owner, not a coach, a business owner, we need to understand the sources of where our business or where our first appointment is going to come from. And that's just being prudent in learning how to run a business. So you can be a great coach and be poor. Mm. You just have to learn how to market. You have to learn how to sell and you have to learn how to be profitable at it. You know, I've, I've spoken to people that are, I mean, there's really, it feels to me like there's two different sides of the coin. You know, people Mm -hmm. either say, you know, pick, pick one thing, you know, like for example, you know, pick podcasts, go out and, and, get on a bunch of podcasts and that's how you're going to to draw people into you that's how you're going to get discovered you know by by your ideal client and then other people say you know well i like to do social media i like to blog i like to be on podcast i do speaking i put out youtube videos you know they have a lot of different things that that they put out there to to make people aware of who they are and what they offer um do you find that it's it's better to go ahead and, and try to be in a lot of different places to, to gain that exposure? Yeah, you know, there is some truth to that. So w- when we look at marketing or sourcing, you have passive and active. And the, if having all passive, for instance, blogging and those other pieces, a lot of time and a lot of energy into it, but you need to generate income. You need to generate first appointments. So are you podcasting for marketing or are you podcasting in writing and everything else that you're doing in your drip marketing to create awareness? There's a difference. Mm. So creating awareness is important, but it's not going to make you money. So you have to make sure that you understand the purpose behind what each person is doing. So if you're going to go talk and you're going to have a quote unquote seminar and you're going to do it where the bank's going to invite you in or a business owner's association is going to have you come in and talk about A, B, and C. Well, that is right when you're done, you can get instantaneous of who wants to meet with me Mm one-on-one. When you're podcasting or you're doing a lot of social media, there is selling that's done on social media, but it's typically more about awareness and creating the first appointment. Mm. So, you know, any of your listeners, they can email us later, but we have a book called Sandler, The LinkedIn Way, which is we actually teach people how to use LinkedIn to create relationships. Oh. There's a lot of neat tricks to it, but there's an ebook that they can download from us. So they can get to learn how to do that. But you also have to realize LinkedIn is not the only solution. So if, you're, if the people listening in only have one or two sources I would turn around and say that it's a very dangerous place to be in, in more times than not. If you have passive sources, it's typically because you're um, procrastinating on being a salesperson. Right. 
That makes sense. It seems like a lot of people, they enjoy the the idea of coaching someone, but maybe they don't so much enjoy the idea of going out and selling their coaching to someone. Yes, that's usually <laughs> the biggest problem. Yes. <laughs> so what would be your advice for someone who's new that's that? maybe doesn't have a lot of experience selling, you know, what would be the, what would be something that they should do first? Well, obviously I'm, I'm real biased on that point because that's what we teach people, but I would turn around and say that for most, there's a, um, we call it our RCD kits called the no guts, no gain and no guts, no gain is a self-assessment test to help people become more assertive in a role that they don't feel comfortable being in, mm. which is sales. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be in your face. It's not being aggressive or rude. You don't have to be any of that. You just have to learn how to be assertive. And assertive is doing what's right for you and for the buyer. So there's actually a very specific roadmap that people can follow that will help them become more successful. So, for instance, you know, people who have goals. Now, we hear this a thousand times from, from Sunday. But 86% of the people walking planet Earth, do you realize they have no goals? They have no idea what they want in life. They have no vision of what they're working for and why and what they want to accomplish. So 86% of the population get up, have breakfast, go to work, come home, have dinner, go to bed. Mm. Groundhog day. Yeah. Now, right? And then we have 14% of the population um, have an, well, actually 13, they have an idea of what they want. And less than 1% actually have goals written down and review them. Wow. But the people who have goals and review them earn 10 times more, 10 times more than those that don't have any goals. Hmm. So, yes, one of the most important things for everybody in the telly right now who's listening in is where are you going with your practice? Where are you going with your business? How are you going to get there and what do you need to become to get there? Do you have to be a prospector? Do you have to be a marketing person? Do you have to become gifted in speech? Do you have to become a really good writer? Are you going to do a lot of writing and blogs? Well, if you're not a great writer, that's not a great road to go down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a fair amount of it is understanding your strengths and weaknesses to help you fulfill your goals. But many people don't have goals. They just say, I want to be in the business. Okay, well, what does that mean? How do you know if you're successful? Where are you going to be in three months? Where are you going to be in six months? To be there in three months, what are the 10 activities that you have to do to get there? So a lot of people just say, I want the end game, mm -hmm. but they don't put together the roadmap to get there. Right. You mentioned earlier that you've been you've been in in and around this industry for 22 years. And if you had to start all over again, if you had the opportunity to start all over again, to start a business, what would you say would be the first thing you would do? Um, if I was going to start a business, I would fig and I got lucky, obviously, because I love what I do. I have an obscene passion for what I do. So I don't really think it's work, which is the reason I do so much of it, right? Mm -hmm. But if I look back and I had to start over again, I would ask myself, what really what does keep me up at night, right? What is my passion? What is something that I wouldn't think would be work if I have to put in a 100-hour work week, right? What is something that I would still love what I'm doing when it's 11.30 or 12.30 or 1.30 or 2.30 at night or 5 o'clock in the morning because you have to get up early to do a task? So I never want to have resentment for what I'm doing. 
Sure. Uh, so the first thing is I would have to find something that I have a lot of passion for. The second is, is obviously I have to make sure that there is a market that's out there that wants to pay me for this passion, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you could be the best thing in the world, but if you don't have a marketplace for it, it's not going to be any good. Sure. So the first is, you know, obviously what I would love to do is the market there. And then I would do exactly what we tell people to do, which is then go put your plan together, do your financial homework, figure out what competencies you need to get better at, then figure out your marketing plan or your prospecting plan, and then what competencies you need to have to do that, because most of us are not good at that either. Um, so that's what I would probably do if I had to redo it again. Glenn, this has been really, really good. I mean, I've learned a lot and I've enjoyed talking about the different aspects of how to work sales into your mindset, which I think is something that a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their brain around when they just are looking at the, at the end result. Like you said, you look at the end result, but you don't necessarily think about all the things you have to do to get yourself there. Well, you know, the crazy thing is, is when you said sales, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at most non-selling professionals, they think sales is a dirty word, mm. right? It's definitely four words, four letters. So many of them will think it's, well, I'm the pushy, aggressive, dirty, sleazy, polyester wearing, cigar smoking, back slapping. You know, then you get the animals, the pig, shark, snake in there. Uh -huh. So all of a sudden, this hat that they have to wear is ugly. So all of a sudden, their fears and anxieties is, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that ugliness. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, their negative perception of selling creates a stigmatism that really enhances their procrastination right? and their fear of being that person. So, you know, because you brought it up, I would turn and say to, to the people listening in, just make a T-bar on a piece of paper. On the left-hand side, write down traditional salesperson. On the right side, write down exceptional sales. Think of someone that you know that's an awful salesperson and write down their personal characteristics. They don't listen very well. They're in your face a lot. They, they have time issues, meaning that you told them, hey, let me get back to you. And they call you the next day. Then they call you in the afternoon the next day. Then they call you the following morning, right? Mm -hmm. So, And then you look at someone that you may know on a personal basis that is exceptionally good at what they do. What are their characteristics? See, a pushy salesperson needs the business. A great salesperson wants the business. Mm. A pushy salesperson doesn't want to hear the word no. A good, great salesperson is okay with no. A lousy salesperson does it because it's best for them. A great salesperson does it because it's the best for both of us. So if you just change your perception of what selling is, your attitude will grow dramatically because you're not you don't think it's negative. You don't think it's evil. So if your attitude changes, your behavior will enhance. And when your behavior enhances, which is your activities and your goals and seeing people, you'll have more of an opportunity to use your techniques. Hmm. It is all connected. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's... That's really interesting because, you know, I have some of those same ideas in my head about, well, what is a salesperson? And, and whenever I feel like someone is starting to sell to me, it's like I can feel myself sort of putting up a wall almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and I think that when, you know, when people start their own business, they have that in the back of their head where they're like, I don't want to be that that person that, that people put walls up. I don't want to oh, be, absolutely. and then just trying to find that middle ground where it's like, you know, you have to, 
you have to sell if you're going to be in business, but you don't want to be that person. So yeah, I think that's, that's something that a lot of people would benefit from learning more about. Yeah. And it's, it's, and if once they get past that attitude, and again, attitude in our world, we'll tell it, turn around and tell you, and this is for all people brand new starting in a business, you got to have your technique done. You got to have your strategy down. You got to have goals. But what you will find in the first 30, 60, 90 days is while you're following your plan, you will experience attitudinal shocks, right? Things that you never knew about yourself or mm. never really thought about with regards to yourself, procrastination, being a wimp, right? Why are mm-hmm. you looking at a telephone? You don't even know they're the person you're calling and you have, you're just sweating right through your suit, right? Why do you have marbles in your mouth? What's going on here? Um, or you know, the phone call I have after this is, is with a handful of entrepreneurs that just opened up their own place and they're having a big issue with negotiating mm-hmm. because they'll go in and they'll say, you know, Millette, it's going to cost you hypothetically a dollar to do this task. A dollar to do this exercise, a dollar to do this um, this job, and they'll come back and say, "Well, we only think it's worth fifty cents." So we take that personal. Mm. We turn around and say, "Well, I'm worth it." Well, you're you're confusing the pronouns. So a lot of them are awful at negotiating. They're awful at selling because they're selling themselves, not selling a product that just happens to be themselves. Right. We have to separate ourselves. Um, and I would say that the best the best consultants are not people who have to live um, or sell to live. It's a big difference. If you're selling to have a living, then you're probably not going to have a great tenure. Hmm. But if you actually love what you're doing and you live to sell, those people do incredibly well. So the ones that actually sell to live they typically find themselves usually working for a consulting firm that'll sell for them. Right. Well, I think it's hard a lot of times, especially a lot of the coaches that I've come across are, they're just one person. They're just starting, they're, they're starting their business, starting from home, you know, wanting to help people. And it is hard to separate yourself from your, yourself as the brand. So it's when someone says no, they are saying no to you. It's, I, I think it's difficult to separate those two things, but I guess people would benefit from being able to. You're going to have to because they're not rejecting you. Mm-hmm. And the other piece is for whatever it's worth, but. The other piece is really understanding how to sell and very traditional people who have never been trained on sales. And unfortunately, many who have been trained on sales think that people buy features and benefits. They buy. So let me tell you why you should hire me as a coach. Let me tell you what you're going to get out of coaching. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. So coaching is not, I mean, excuse me, selling is not talking. Selling is being incredibly good at asking questions and listening. Hmm. So when, when we look at, that's the dirty side, right? Ugly selling is talking. Great selling is listening. Right. So those people are looking from a coaching standpoint to be successful in the marketplace. My 10 cents would be is learn how to become a better salesperson. Learn how to actually ask the right questions, how to listen, how to actually get people emotionally involved. People are going to hire a coach. Because they can't figure out how to do it without one. Right. And you need to uncover the emotional drivers that's causing them to look for a coach. You know, those emotional drivers, because people buy emotionally and they justify it intellectually. Mm-hmm. And if you're coaching people, if they could do it without you, they would have done it already. 
<laughs> right. Right. So when we look at coaching, we really have to understand the psychology behind individuals and why they need coaching. So some do it to create awareness. Some do it to fix a problem that they have and others do it to enhance what they're currently doing just to get better results. So if you're looking to fix anything or enhance what they're currently doing, the client must have some emotional drivers, some emotional distaste that you're trying to solve that your coaching will solve. So in the beginning, I would have your, your people who are listening in understand that people buy to avoid or get out of pain. They intellectually justify their decisions. They emotionally buy. So if you're talking features and benefits, you're selling to the intellect. Mm -hmm. The problem is the emotional part of your intellect, the, me, the emotional part of your psyche is the one that actually says, I want coaching and I want to use you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Just thinking about when I've made purchases in the past, it's usually not because of the, like you said, the features. It's not a features list that makes me want to to pull out my wallet. It's what's, what is this going to solve? What is, yeah, what is it going to, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's, what does it let me do? What is it getting past the features and benefits and getting down to that emotional connection with that, with the end result. And, and I think for some of your people who are really want to make change in people's lives is a massive difference between training people and changing people. And if you really, really want to change people, and that is a, again, nothing wrong with training people. But I'm, I listen, I'm in the training business, right? Knock on wood, we're one of the best Sandler trainers in, in the entire world. And I've been there for a very long time. And you know, I'm very adamant about stop trying to train them, change them. And again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, a different way of looking at it. Sure. Change means that what you're doing isn't working at the level you needed to. And to change people, I have found they do need to have a desire to do so, and most of them will have that desire will come from the pain of not having it done yet. Right. So they have to confront fears. They're going to confront procrastination. They're going to try new things. They have to get outside their comfort zones. They have to stop making excuses. All these things are psychological triggers that protect ourselves when we're getting failure. And they're coming to you saying, okay, um, you're, you're going to help me get more failures, but you're going to have to help me figure out how to feel better so I can learn from them and grow from them. Mm. So there is a fair amount of, from a coaching standpoint, is really understanding the psychology of people and, and getting them to enough uncomfortability that they will become more uncomfortable to fix it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, we're going to finish up now with our sure. final five rapid fire questions. Okay, you got it. So what's one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? I would say one that everyone listening in into hopefully uh, can do. It took me a long time to do it. But I think the one skill, not habit, the one skill that has helped me a lot is changing my mindset of what failure means. Mm. In the beginning, failure meant I was a loser. Right. So anything that I could do that had a possibility of failure was very difficult to do. And then when it didn't work, oh my gosh, it wasn't my fault. It was someone else's fault uh -huh. because I couldn't handle it. So now you start making excuses, which is the kiss of death. So I think one of the things that helped a lot from a skill set was learning how to transfer failure into a lesson. From a habit standpoint, 
I would say that um, one of the habits that has helped dramatically is is um, I'm a grinder, meaning that um, I will work the number of hours it needs to be worked to get to my goals. Mm. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? One, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say on the short list would be definitely listening, being mm. good rainmaker. But I would think one, at least for us, that has helped dramatically is being brutally honest with our clients. Mm. Okay. So, uh, and I'm up front with them. If you're looking for someone to hire that's going to pat you on your back and tell you're doing awesome and not give you a reality check, I'm not your person. If you're looking for someone to be your best friend, I'm not your person. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for a friend, I'm not your person. Um, you know, my job is to help you become what you want to become that you haven't been able to do on your own. Mm. So, you know, we do have a sense of a sense of loyalty to our clients on being honest. You're not rude, but you got to be honest. Mm. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. One book. Uh, I'm going to give you two if I could. Sure. One would be is um, The 49 Rules. And I'm biased. It's a Sandler book, right? The 49 Selling Rules, I think, mm -hmm. is absolutely fabulous. Um, the other book that I found to be, for me, as a coach, amazingly effective is anything written by Eric Byrne on transactional analysis. Hmm. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shrink by background. So my, I love transactional analysis, love understanding how people make excuses, how they get their emotions involved, how they're a critical parent, how, when they're feeling stressed out, they attack. I mean, it's just, if you understand the human dynamics, it takes most of our emotion out of it. And if it takes a lot of our emotion out of it, we become so much more impactful for our clients. Cool. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without. Ooh, an online resource. One, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, I don't know if I can give you one. I'll give you a couple real quick. One okay. of them would be is a service that we've had for 20 years called Copy Talk. Copy Talk is after every coaching session, after every call that I do, after every distant learning session that we do, because we do hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours of distant learning a year, um, is uh, for us is, is Copy Talk. It's helped me have the capacity to do more and more coaching without having to try to remember what I said. So copy talk is a dictation service. Mm. After I'm done, I pick up the telephone. I just speak into the telephone, all my notes. And within about three hours, I have an email that's been transcribed to me. So I do all my podcast, all my writing that way. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, I went for a run. When I get back from the run, I'm in my car. And I, when I'm doing the run, I did my four-page uh, drip campaign for next month. I just sat there. I did my copy talk and, you know, my writer right now is making some small adjustments, but it's been done. So it's fabulous. Nice. The other online resource that I found to be real successful for me, again, it's a tool that we have. It's an accountability app, which is once you have your goals down and you know what your daily behaviors are, every time that you do it, you go to your app, you make a click and you can see your scorecard. It keeps you on track. So for resource center, 
the um, application or of doing your behavior, right? So it's an accountability app that we have uh-huh. has been really, really super successful. But the copy talk is a machine for me. For mm, me. Nice. Now, finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? Um, what social platforms are you on and what's your website? Sure. So um, obviously in tw- Twitter, you can go on LinkedIn. It's two N's and two T's. So it's Glenn M. Uh, in, uh, Matson. So it's G-L-E-N-N and Matson. It's two T's, M-A-T-T. So we do a lot on LinkedIn. Have a, We do a, um, I put a very large amount of posts up there for, for people. Mm-hmm. The website is connected to Sandler because I'm a franchise of them. And that is matson.sandler.com. Okay, great. Yep. Well, I will be sure to put all of the links. You had mentioned an, an ebook earlier. I'll get that link up, the links to all of your social and your website and all of the recommended resources, which was a nice big list. And I appreciate that. It's always good to get a lot of suggestions. You got it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Glenn, for joining us. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Enjoy. And I hope everyone who's out there that has the passion for being a, a Sherpa, right? Having a passion for helping people. Uh, if you find yourself and you become successful at it, it is truly, I, I think, one of the most gratifying professions because you can actually see someone transform in front of you. Mm. And then you can see the rippling effect and how it hits in all different areas of their personal life. And it's quite amazing. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.